Good morning, Transit Church. I feel like we've already had a pretty full morning. I'm fired up. I was just something about seeing people get baptized. Just kind of, I don't know if it does it for you, it just kind of brings me back to that place. <laughs> Even now. Six years old. In my room. <laughs> had a Mickey Mouse covers on my bed at the time. And uh, I just gotten disciplined for not obeying my parents and my parents love me. So they, they used the rod in our home and I got a spanking for disobeying. And um, as I sat there, the, the Lord just came on my heart. And I just said, Jesus, I want you in my heart. That was the moment where I came to know the Lord. We all got those stories, right? Just take a second. Just remind yourself, where were you when it happened? Where were you when the Holy Spirit moved on your heart. Take, it, take a second. Put yourself in that moment, that moment in time where you said yes to Jesus. That's what this makes me think of when we see little, young, old, wherever we're at in our journey with Jesus, we're making an outward confession of something that happened inwardly. And it's so beautiful. And I think the beauty of that, of this, is it, it just reminds us of our first love. And that's really what I think the Holy Spirit's after this morning is would he grip our hearts that we'd remember that first love. Because we're all doing stuff, right? We're all doing stuff with Jesus. He's doing stuff. That's, that's just the reality, right? The Lord is accomplishing his plans. He's spoken the word at the beginning. It's all going to come to pass. Not a, not a dot, jot or tittle of the law will not be completely fulfilled in Jesus and for eternity come to pass. He's going to accomplish his plan but he invites us into that partnership. And yeah, we get to do stuff with Jesus. So I'm excited about that, but we also get to just be with him on the journey. He invited us in, in that moment. And so I'm just gonna pray for us this morning as we open the scriptures, as we dig into the word, that, that God would just bring us to that, back to that place of first love. Because without love, right? It's clanging symbols, right? Without that love for Jesus and for others, it's just an empty prophetic utterance, right? without the love of Jesus in our hearts. And it all starts with he loved us so that we could love him, right? And so that we can love others. So just take a second as I pray for us this morning and just let the Holy Spirit take you back to that place, that moment in time where you said, yes, Jesus. And if you're in this room and you haven't said yes to Jesus, then just ask him what it means. And, uh, and let's get with someone afterwards to pray for you to receive him, right? Because He's, he's got to be living in our hearts. We want him living in our hearts. And so Jesus, we just come before you. Just coming before you this morning. Just take us back to that place, Holy Spirit. Remind us even right now, where were we? What was it like when that friend prayed for us to receive Jesus? When that parent knelt with us Maybe we were just by ourselves and we said, yes, I hear you, Holy Spirit. Take us back to that place this morning where you, for us, began the work which you'd already accomplished on the cross. You, were, you removed that dividing wall of hostility. You made a way. Take us back to that place. And God, I just pray over every heart in this room, God, would you renew in us, God, a first love, a first love. 
Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you cause your word to touch our hearts? Would you set your seal of love upon our hearts? Bring us back to that place of first love that we might do the first commandment well, loving you with all of our heart and our soul, all of our strength and our mind because we're loved. We can love you because we're loved. We can show the world we're your disciples by loving each other. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you. Just tell him you love him. Amen. So this morning, we're in Acts. And if you have been with us for the last year, then you know that we're still rolling through Acts. Because it's a fun journey, right? It's, it's ups, it's downs, it's deliverance and healing one minute and persecution the next. It's someone falls over dead in a church service and the fear of the Lord shows up powerfully. It's, it's a lot, right? Have you all been with me through most of this? Nick's been doing a great job. It's just, it's been fun, right? So we're still there. We're still with Acts, okay? So we're in chapter 13 and going into 14 today. And the context is that Paul and Barnabas, Holy Spirit marked them. They were in a time of prayer and fasting, which I think was just a picture of their community. They lived in a community that worshiped Jesus, that prayed, that fasted, that sought the word of the Lord. And here they are. You know, they've been there for a couple of years in Antioch. And the Lord says, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas. I'm going to send them out. And so Paul and Barnabas, they pack their backpacks and they're going, right? And so the first place they come to is Antioch and Poseidon after they've gone through the island of, of, of Cyrene. And it's, so it's an island. So they're here in Antioch. They get on their ship and they go to this island. They're going their way through and then they get and they go to the, what would be kind of northern, eastern, northwestern Turkey. You all with me? Okay, so that's regionally where they're at. I don't have any maps. Nick had all the cool maps last week. So I'll let uh, him do the map thing. And so they've they're, they've, begun, they've been handed the mic by a local synagogue. And I think Nick alluded to the challenges, right, of being handed the mic. You get the mic and it's hot. And, uh, and so they've hit a mic drop moment, if you will, where everybody is excited about what they say. Paul drops the mic and they say, come back next Sabbath. And so that's where we're picking up this journey, right? They were so excited about the news that Paul brought forth. He preached the gospel. That's what he does right? He reminds them. He, he helps contextualize it, right? He's preaching to the Jews. He's in a Jewish synagogue. He preaches to the Jews. And we're going to see in this chapter that the Jews are rejecting him yet again, right? They're rejecting the gospel. Now there's some who are believing and then there's some who are continuing to reject Jesus. And so we're going to see in this passage how God's plan and redemption and throughout history is that he'd come to the Jew first. That's what it says in Romans 1. Paul said, I come with the gospel. It's the power of God to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. So it's God's plan, right? He redeemed a people. He called Abraham. He came to Abraham and his people. He set them apart as a covenant people. He made this covenant. And then he said, through you, all the nations will receive blessing. And so through the line, right, of Israel, the Jewish people, Jewish ethnos, Jesus comes. He's a Jewish man, right? And he, he is from Israel. He is Israel, right? And he comes with the gospel, the good news, right? The kingdom, the kingdom news. And he gets rejected by his own people again and again and again, right? And then there's many who accept him, right? So it's just this tension, right? And so then the good news goes to the Gentiles because they continue to push out. So we're going to see this transition happen. Um, and it's still, and we'll talk about it. So we're going to start in verse 44 of chapter 13. If you're with me, it should be up on the screen. If not, you'll hear me reading it. And we're just going to read straight through to 14, chapter 14, verse 7. We're going to stop. We're going to unpack a couple things this morning. And then we're just going to continue to allow the Holy Spirit to do the work he's doing right now. So let's read together. Or I'll read it and you just follow along. Sound good? Ah, good. Awesome. We're together. The next Sabbath, 
Almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. And they began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly saying, it was necessary that the word of the Lord be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and you judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many were appointed to eternal life, believed. And the word of the Lord, it was spreading throughout the region. I just like to imagine wildfire, right? It catches a force. It's just spreading throughout the region. And it... It says, but the Jews incited devout women of high standing and leading men of this city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas. They drove them out of the district, but they shook off the dust of their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. They were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. So the unbelieving Jews, they stirred up the Gentiles and they poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city, they were still divided. Some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Jews and Gentiles with the rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they they learned of it and they fled to Lystra, Derby, and the cities of Lyconia in the surrounding area and they continued to preach the gospel. And so the ride continues, right? I don't I, I'm, I always try to imagine like what stirred up persecution looked like. I imagine they were being bullied, some death threats, right? I mean, I can only imagine what was going on. Um, but there's a lot here in this passage. You all with me? This is, this is, there's a lot of stuff here, right? Because we've got, we've got, um, we've got this, this classic clash, right? Or not clash, I would call it a paradox, right? Of, of man's free will, right? Where Paul says, you judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. You've thrust it aside, right? But then three verses later we have, well, they began rejoicing at, with the word of the Lord and they were as many as were appointed to eternal life, right? So we got this juxtaposition, right? This paradox. I'm not gonna unpack that this morning. So you want to unpack that, right? Man's free will and God's election. You're going to have to go do some study on your own. Um, But it's a paradox. We have to hold these things in tension. Then we've got God's redemptive purpose in Israel, right? We've got, I've made you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth, right? We have this whole redemptive purpose of Israel. What is it? And I tell you, if we want to unpack that this morning, we're going to spend a lot of time in Romans 9 through 11, probably do a multiple series. Look at Zechariah chapter 12 through 14. So if you want to unpack these topics I didn't feel like the Holy Spirit was saying go deep in these topics, but I want to give you some points of reference to dig into them. So those two things that I just mentioned, right? This this tension between choosing the Lord and, and, and or thrusting him aside and then God's eternal election purposes. Go read Romans 9 through 11. That'll give you a lot of insight there. So just make a note. Hey, in my study time this week, when I break up my Bible, read Romans 9 through 11, have my mind blown, and then I can uh, chew on it a little bit. And then, uh, and then also Zechariah 12 through 14. It gives some insight into God's redemptive purposes through Israel, right? Through Israel, we have Jesus Christ, the Jewish man. And so what I really want us to focus on this morning, when I think about our community and what God's been saying and kind of speaking to us, right? Because we need to understand, okay, this is is a broad word. I feel like the Lord is is continuing to cause us to grow in discipleship. You all with me? 
Y'all with me? I think you're with me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I hear somebody out there, right? And so what does it mean to follow Jesus? And I think that's really one I want us to land here. So if you will, let's, let's dive in um, and, and let that be our main focus. How we fulfill the discipleship call in this house, boldly becoming like him. And so would you all agree with me that we're all called to be disciples? Yes. What is a disciple? Follower of Jesus, right? And how do we become disciples or how, how do we grow in our discipleship? That's maybe the better question. Obedience? Yeah, I love that. And to obey, right, we have to be willing, we have to what? Hear, right? And to hear, we have to have our eyes fixed and our ears opened, right? And so we become disciples, we become like Jesus by beholding him. 2 Corinthians 4, it unpacks that, right? We're transformed into his likeness by just looking at Jesus. Who knew it was so simple to be a disciple of Jesus? Because what did the disciples do for three years? Most of that time, they just spent what? Watching Jesus. They just looked at him. They, Man, he did this here, he did this here. And then occasionally he'd send them on assignments, right? He'd send out the, the 72. He'd send them to go, uh, he'd give them a task, right? Hey, take a, take a survey, see how much food we have. Okay, we got to feed 4,000 people. You guys figure it out. And they're like, oh, well, we can figure this out. So he gives them some assignments along the way, but they, they become like him by what? Beholding him. And so we got to start there. We got to be beholding Jesus. And the best way to behold Jesus is how? Anyone, any ideas? Guys, open up this book. This is the revealed word. Of, we, get, we get direct insight into who Jesus is by opening this book. And, uh, and I was recently convicted. This is a personal conviction, okay? Don't take this as something that came out of this word. Just a personal conviction in my heart and my walk with the Lord. I uh, went to, with the kids to Barnes & Noble to hunt down a physical small pocket Bible that would fit here because I'm always doing this number, Right? We've got our Bibles on our phones. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not knocking Bibles on phones. I use this all the time. But I felt the Holy Spirit saying, hey, your kids can't see what you're doing on your phone. And I, I want my kids to love the Word of God. And so I could be spending hours on my phone in, in the Bible, right? Digging through, making notes. That's how I journal a lot. But I wanted them to see me pick this thing up and treasure it. Go with me wherever it goes. It fits in my pocket, right? I want them to see that because there's value in seeing this. They can't tell what I'm doing on my screen. I can tell them, but I don't wanna to have to keep telling them. I want them to see it, right? So I would encourage you, go find a pocket Bible, break it out every once in a while. Let your kids see you. If you have kids, let them see you opening this and just sitting at the kitchen table, right? In the morning, wherever, wherever you seek the Lord, but open this thing up. And if you're like, where do I start? Start at the beginning. It's a great story. It's a terrifying story, but it's a great story. And then and if you get stuck in Leviticus, because it, it can be a little dry sometimes, right? Go to Revelation. Mix it up a little bit, right? I don't know how many times I read through Revelation as a kid. I love reading that book. There's dragons and all kinds of stuff, some stuff I don't understand. But I just read it, right? There's a blessing there. It literally says that in chapter one. Read these words and you'll receive a blessing. I, I'm, I think I'm reaping some of that blessing, right? So just open the word. It doesn't, you know, do, 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 do the Bible thing where you're just like, okay, Lord, what are you saying? Boom. Ah, oh, Psalm 119, that'll be a long read, right? And, um, you know, but have a plan, that's good. But we gotta open this word. We wanna be like Jesus. If we wanna be like Jesus, we gotta see him. We gotta behold him. Y'all tracking with me? Okay, Jesus, help us to be like you. And so I love what somebody said earlier, obedience, right? And so Paul and Barnabas and disciples, I'm just gonna, this is, this is kind of my point, right? We're talking about disciples. So number one, disciples advance his kingdom under what? His leadership. 
So if we're following Jesus, we're beholding, we're looking at him, we're following him, we advance his kingdom. You guys know we're in a, we're in a fight, right? We got good and we've got evil. We've got God, we've got Satan. We've got a kingdom of darkness. And by the way, Satan is nowhere. He's a created being. He's not on equal standing with God. Just so you guys remember that, right? He's a created being. He, he doesn't, he's not equal to or like God in any way, right? God is omnipotent. He created, right? So just keep that in mind. Um, so we're in this battle. It's a kingdom of God and it's advancing. He says that the gates of hell won't prevail. That means the gates of hell can't stop the kingdom of God from advancing in your life, in my life, in the lives of those around us. Y'all tracking with me? So disciples advance his kingdom under his leadership. And that means that we what? We see what he's doing and we do what? We obey, right? So our eyes got to be locked on him. Our eyes got to be hearing what he's saying. And then, whew, this is the hard part. Our feet, our feet got to actually take a step. I think I heard, Lord loves this person. You know, I'm checking out the other day. We're at Staples. Izzy and I are on a, a journey to find some poster board and a, a new journal. And, and so I'm just standing there at the checkout line. I'm just listening. Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Lady's checking me out, right? Hey, hey what's your name? Anna. Awesome. Izzy's sitting there. She's helping me check stuff out. You know how fun that is, right? Boop, boop, boop. And uh, hey, Anna, um, I, hey, I love Jesus and I love praying for people. Is there anything that I could be praying for you about? Uh, not really. Hey, anybody in your family sick? No, okay. Hey, awesome. Well, I just want you to know Jesus loves you and I, we're gonna be praying for you. And so I want, my, I want my kids to experience that so they're bold enough to step out. But I also, I just wanna be obedient because I can't tell you how many times I've asked that person at Starbucks this is another crazy one. She's like, yeah, my son ran away from home. We don't know where he is. I was like, awesome. Can I just take a second and pray for you right now? And you can just see the love of God going. So we just got to be willing, right? Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you saying? Okay, I'm willing. And that's how Paul and Barnabas were. In Acts 13, 4, it says that the Holy Spirit had marked them and they went out under the guidance and leadership of the Holy Spirit. Y'all with me? You tracking? So they're disciples. We're advancing his kingdom under his leadership. It means we obey. We walk in faith. And, and we walk with him. And I, wanna, I just want to give you um, just kind of a picture of what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 10. I don't have this on the screen, but I just want us to just, just sit here for just a second. This was what Jesus commissioned. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, just open up to Matthew 10, bookmark it. You can read it later. You can check in. But I just want to read a couple things here. Uh, in verse 5, it says that, that the 12 Jesus sent out, he instructed them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, go to the no Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim to them. So task number one, proclaim to them what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So number one task of a disciple following his leadership and advancing his kingdom, the kingdom is at hand, right? Does that make sense? As you enter the house, greet it in verse 12. And then verse 13, if the house is worthy, let your peace rest upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if any, anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly, I say to you, it would be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that own town. So what? Proclaim the gospel. Look for a person of peace wherever you're going. Workplace, library, grocery store, you pick it, school, right? Look for the person of peace. Rest there. Tarry with them. Unpack the word of God. It doesn't say anything about miracles yet, right? So first we're going under the leadership of Jesus, we're preaching the word of God. It's an opportunity for them to hear the word of God, encounter the peace of Jesus, right? And then he says, behold, I'm sending you out. Be wise as serpents. In verse 17, beware of men for they'll deliver you over to the courts and flogs. As you're preaching the word, there's gonna be some kickback. There's gonna be some pushback. As we're demonstrating and walking in the word of God and the power of God, because we're gonna get to that here. 
He says, you'll be dragged before the synagogues. Verse 18, you'll, you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake. Think about Paul. How many times was he dragged before the synagogue or the king Agrippa, right? He had all these opportunities. And I got to imagine Paul and Barnabas throughout this text, right, are thinking back on these words. Hey, you remember? Now, they weren't with Jesus, but they got the download from Jesus. And I'm sure, you know, Matthew, my man, reminded him of some of the words that Jesus spoke when he sent them out, right? So they still have the understanding of what's going on. And so this is actually happening to them. And they said, don't be anxious how you're to speak when you're in front of them, but the spirit of your father is speaking through you. And as brother delivers over brother, father to child, children will rise against their parents and have them put to death. That's pretty scary stuff. You all realize that, right? That's pretty nerve wracking. But when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. And that's what we see them doing here, right? They're persecuted in one town. They're going to that. They're being obedient to the word of the Lord. And in verse 24, it says, a disciple is not above his teacher nor his servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of the household? And then he gives this great exhortation. He says, have no fear for nothing is covered that will not be revealed. Have no fear, have no fear, have no fear. And so we see Holy Spirit is reminding me of these words as we're looking at this story of, of Jesus' commission. He's sending them out. He's telling them, have no fear, walk. And, uh, and in Luke, Luke, we see the similar story where he sends out the 72 and he, he empowers them also with his authority to, to, to work power signs and miracles. And we hear of deliverances from demonic. We hear of ungodly belief being swept, you know, freed from that. And so as we're advancing the kingdom of God, I, we gotta be equipped. And uh, I'm gonna stop there. Is that, is that good? Are you tracking with me on that piece? Okay, so advance his kingdom under his leadership. Number two, disciples, they relentlessly proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. I, was, <laughs> I, took, I took Joe out. This is how I prep for my sermons. I take my kids along and I say, okay, we're gonna read the passage and then uh, I'm gonna take some notes and you preach the passage to me. So Joe, uh, this, this, so if anything good in here, it probably came from my, uh, my middle son, seven. Uh, so he's, I'm like, okay, so Joe, what sticks out to you? And I'm like, no, just gotta write some notes. Cause he always has like crazy, awesome, all my kids, they, as they, it's fun to listen. Now, not everything's always accurate, right? But you, you take it with a grain of salt, right? You eat the meat, spit out the bones. And, uh, and so Joseph's one comment on this t- passage was, we, we gotta preach the gospel no matter what. That's literally what came out of his mouth. And I was like, that's good. That's going to be one of my points in my sermon. And so I got to give him complete credit, right? But what does that look like? Proclaim the gospel of the kingdom because it says, and multiple times in this text, it says four times. It says the word of the Lord goes forth, right? The word of the Lord spread, right? Throughout the whole region. And then they, again, they go to this next town and they, they, they talk about, they, they preach the word of the Lord again. And this is in verse seven, and they continue to preach the gospel. So the gospel, the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, I think we got to remember it's a, it's, it's a full gospel of the kingdom. And in Matthew 24, 14, it says the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed. That word is to be heralded, shouted out. We got to let everybody know, hey, there's a king. He's coming. He started this from the beginning and he's coming. He's going to sit on his throne in Jerusalem. He's going to make everything new. He's doing it even now, but he's going to do it in fullness when he reigns. He's coming. We got a king. To, are you ready? Are you ready for the king to come and reign? Are you ready are you ready? That's the gospel of the kingdom. And so uh, there's, I think there's five pieces to the gospel. Okay, I'm, we're not going to unpack these in depth. But like, I just want you to be aware of it. Just get it in your, in your mind. Just let it, let it sit with you. Write it down if you want to. Go back and study. Uh, come, we can, we can, we can but I, I want to share just these five things about the gospel of the kingdom because I think sometimes we limit the gospel to just salvation. 
and I, and I don't say just salvation to like minimize salvation. That is huge, right? So don't hear, hear me properly. Salvation is huge, but the, the gospel of the kingdom is, is, a, a, is a wide breadth, right? It starts with me accepting Jesus Christ into my life and his kingdom then forcefully advancing in my life and, and throughout the world. So let's hear. There's, there's five things I want us to capture about. I'm not going to belabor them. I'm just going to share them with you. First is personal discipleship and benefits, and that's where we start, right? The kingdom of God is within us, Luke 17, 21, right? So as we accept Jesus, he saved us from our sins, right? I realize that I can't do it on my own. That's the personal benefits, right? The kingdom of God is righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit, Romans 14, 17. Write that one down. So it's personal, right? I, I personally get to come into the kingdom. Two, it's his rule over his community and family. You don't have a kingdom without a king, and a community, right? A family that he's ruling over. And he's been demonstrating this from the beginning, right? He's king. He created a kingdom. And Adam and Eve, they were a part of his family from the beginning, right? So it's God's rule, his rule, his reign. God, your what? Kingdom come. Say with me. God, your kingdom come. That means his rule comes. It comes into my thoughts. It comes into my heart. It comes into every aspect of my life, how I spend my time, how I spend my money. Ask yourself, is the kingdom of God invading how I'm using the dollars that I earn weekly? Is it invading how I'm using every moment of time? Is it, does it have rule in those areas? And if the answer is no, just say, Holy Spirit. Or if you just get a blank stare, right? Holy Spirit, where am I not surrendered to your rule in my life? And he might show you one thing. You work on that thing, right? And he shows you another thing. Number three, it impacts all of society. Genesis 1, 28, right? He commissioned Adam and Eve. Exercise what? Dominion, authority, right? Everything comes under his dominion. It impacts all areas of society, right? It impacts our workplace, our school. It impacts our families. It impacts how we raise our children. Four, it demonstrates God's power. Matthew 12, 28. I just want to read these words to you since I'm already hanging out in Matthew. Sound good? But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Did Jesus cast out some demons? Yes. Did Jesus heal some sick people? Yes. I think we did, we did a, an awesome um, study recently. And uh, I think there's like, out of all the miracles, one fourth of those miracles were related to uh, him casting demons out. About half of them related to sick getting healed. And there's some other awesome miracles, like people getting raised from the dead and stuff. I mean, that gets me pretty excited. Um, whew. So it demonstrates what? God's kingdom demonstrates his what? It's on, it's on there. Say it with me. Come on. Power, right? And last, and, but not least, right? We're getting the full gamut, the full picture. Jesus will return to earth and rule from Jerusalem. He's, he's going to step into history again. He did it the first time. Didn't he? Zechariah 9.9. 9. He'll come riding on a donkey. Zechariah prophesied this five, six hundred years before Jesus actually did it. And that's a crazy thought. Like who's going to prophesy five hundred years into the future and then Jesus actually did it. He physically rode on a donkey into Jerusalem. And if you look at the path he took, it was from south to north over the Mount of Olives. The same path that if you read the scriptures, and Zechariah 14 is a great place to land on this, that he will come back into Jerusalem and split the mountain. He's going to do it. Like I, I, we can't take the fact that he did it on a donkey and say, oh, well, splitting the mountain is just imagery. He is physically going to step back into history 
And that is the kingdom of God. This is the king that we're preparing for. This is the king. This is the gospel of the kingdom. And so we got to continue to unpack this one in our own hearts. Because if it's not my own heart, I can't help others unpack it. You all, you all track with me on that piece? If this is not in my heart, then I cannot help others unpack it as well. Number three, disciples, they walk in what? Power. Come on. Say it with me. They walk in power. We need the power of God. And uh, at Iconium, they're demonstrating the power of God through what? Signs and wonders and miracles. And what does that look like? It looks like a lame person walking. It looks like a person who's been bound up in anxiety for decades to the point they, 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 can't, even, they can't even step into the call that God has for them. They, they're struggling. They're so afraid of what man will think that they can't step out and take that step to follow Jesus and they get set free, right? They're not struggling with night terrors anymore. Guarantee it, some of us in this room have trouble sleeping. We get harassed in our sleep by fear and anxiety about preparation for tomorrow, right? All our stuff. And just, it just coils around us, right? The, the word of God, it says it's like seed. It gets sown. And what happens? There's, there's four things that happen, right? Some of it gets snatched up by the birds, right? It's just demonic spirit, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I guarantee you it's not good right? It's darkness, snatches up that seed. It doesn't want the seed to take root in our minds because the soil is our minds and our hearts, right? Then there's that seed that gets scattered and it takes root, but the soil is rocky. It's not, it's not, you got to remove rocks from soil for something to take root and last. And so, yeah, awesome. It was received with joy, but then it doesn't, it can't sprout up and, and, and actually operate in the power it was created to. And then, then you have, and this is the one that I really want to harp on for a second, is you got that seed that falls on the heart and over time, anxiety and worries and cares of the world and riches choke it out. And I think that's oftentimes the place where we live. We love Jesus. We receive it with joy. But over time, our stuff and our, our worldly cares and aspirations, our career paths and everything that we think really matters begins to choke out the word of God. And then we're left worshiping maybe just a book and not the creator who wrote it. That's, I don't want to just read these words and know them. I want them to change the inside of me. I want my stomach to ache as I read these words because I need to come into alignment with the truths in this word and because it shows me who he is. He's the king. He's seated on the throne and he's worthy of worship. He's worthy of worship. And that's the only way we're going to be able to walk and operate in power. Power is a gift from the Lord. And he gives it to those who are willing to be obedient and use it the way he wants to use it. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come upon us so we can feel good. It's helpful, right? It, I want to be secure in the Lord. The Holy Spirit comes upon me. Boom. I've got the, the grace to then walk and obey. But we have to be at outflow. And that outflow is obedience. And the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus. What does he do? What does he do? Well, I'll tell you what he does. Luke chapter 14. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. You want to turn there with me. I don't know if I threw that one up on the slide, so I'm just going to read it to you. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts, Jesus. Verse 18. I'll back up a couple. I'll just paint the scene for you. He returns from the wilderness. So Jesus went to the wilderness, right? 40 days of fasting. He's tempted. 
And, uh, and in, in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And Jesus, what? Full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. He gets baptized. Right? Baptized. He gets baptized in the river Jordan. The Holy Spirit shows up. And I don't think it was just like a pretty dove flitting on his shoulder. I think the Holy Spirit comes and wraps around him. Right? It wraps around him. Just surrounds him. I mean, I think this is the imagery we should have when we read this story. You guys ever seen Iron Man? And I'm totally stealing this analogy because I recently heard it and it was so powerful. You guys seen Iron Man, right? He's got the little button on it. Boom. There's Jesus. He gets baptized. This is my beloved son within whom I am well pleased. He's ready, right? Fire's going to be shooting out of his hands in a second, right? That's, I think that's the picture we need to have because that's what happens when we get clothed in the Holy Spirit. We got the power. We get plugged in. Something that wasn't there is there again. You know, something that wasn't operating before is now operating properly. And so we, we got to stay in that place of receiving the Holy Spirit and constantly engaging because then we can't walk in power. And does the gospel, it goes forth in power. Paul preached, he said in Romans 1.18, he said, I preach the gospel to you in power. You know what? As, as, as Paul's writing to the Thessalonians about the day of the Lord and the end of the age and right, the generation of the Lord returns, one of the markers of, and I think we see this a lot in our day and time of, of knowing kind of, you know, the times that we're in is, is that people preach the word of God without power. Y'all hear me? To our own hearts, but we need a demonstration of the power of God as well. And that's what they operated in. They walked in the power of God and so I, I wish I could tell you exactly how this all works, but I tell you, just start with surrendering to the Holy Spirit, right? We get baptized, Holy Spirit comes upon us, and now we can walk in power. I want to see some of these little ones. I want to see even those, even the Jonah. Where, where's my man Jonah? Is he still here? Jonah, right? Kate, Claire, Victoria, Rob, Alex. I want to see you guys walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. May God give you dreams and visions. May he help you to walk in that power. Disciples, they walk in power. Lastly, disciples are filled with what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. And I love the joy of the Lord. Woo! I just love the joy of the Lord. You know where the joy of the Lord is found? Well, I'm going to tell you. Psalm 1611. There it is. In your, read it with me. In your presence, there is a fullness of joy. Psalm 21.6. You make him, the king, glad with the joy of your what? Presence. The presence of God. There is a fullness of joy. That is why I love when we gather. When we gather in a spirit of unity, it says that the Lord commands the blessing in that place. And that's why we're a people that do what? We seek his presence. Psalm 105, seek the Lord, seek his strength, seek his presence, what? Continually. We have to seek his presence continually because there's joy in his presence. And I'm not just trying to like manufacture joy. If you ever get to walk around with me or operate with me or my kids, I'm always singing something. I'm always smiling at someone. And 
They may look at me a little weird, but I just want to walk in the joy of the Lord. There's too much going on, too much pressure, too much depression, too much anxiety surrounding us to not be a joy-filled people. I want to turn some heads. I want people to think, gee whiz, why is this guy happy, right? Come on. That's, we want to be a people filled with joy, but it starts with getting in the presence of God. We have to be in the presence of God. And how do we get in the presence of God? We take a look at our calendars and we say, okay, I'm, Jesus, this is going to be painful, but I, I, I want to be in your presence. And it, it's not going to always feel bubbly and happy, and that's okay. Just, just show up. Just show up. Two days ago, it's like 5.30 in the morning. And my son comes in. It's 5.30. I'm tired. I didn't go to bed till like 12 o'clock the night before. But we had talked about having some father-son time. He just shows up in my bed. Dad, Dad, 5.30. I was like, okay, man. Give me 10. <laughs> so we just lay there and rest in bed. But his heart was such that he wanted to be in my presence with me. Even at 5.30. I don't know how kids wake up that early. But I love it. And that's, that's, my heart was warm and excited, even though I was tired. Beautiful thing is the Lord never sleeps. He does not slumber. He does not get tired of you. He doesn't get tired of you. He doesn't get tired of spending time with you. And even when we show up, you know, in our pajamas, half dressed, half awake, he doesn't get tired of us. I think that's something we gotta, we need to, we just need to experience, right? The Father's love. He doesn't get tired of us. He doesn't get tired of us. And so I think that's probably where we're gonna wrap it up. Is that all right? Do you all feel the love of God in the room this morning? The love of God is here. Worship team, you guys are welcome to come on back up. I want us just to take some time to just rest in the love of God in his presence where there is a fullness of joy because disciples are filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask, let's just bow our hearts before the Lord. And um, we have communion cups? And we'll take communion here in a minute. Let's just bow our hearts before the Lord. Let the worship team just kind of play in the background. And... Um, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation this morning. Just hang with me. Just hang with me. Okay. He's not as, not as excited about that. Sorry, guys. Jesus, we love you. We just ask for wisdom and revelation. Lord, center our hearts. Focus us in on what you're, what you're doing right now in this moment, God. Your love is tangible. It's in the room. And so, God, I'm just asking, God, that you would minister your love to us. But I'm just praying out of Ephesians 3, verse 18, 19, and 20. I'm just going to pray this over us this morning. And just receive from the Lord. Just get your heart in a posture. Holy Spirit, help us to receive from you this morning. Jesus, I bow before you this morning. And I thank you for my family. Thank you for every person in this room. And according to the riches of your glory, God, I ask that you would strengthen us this morning. God, would you strengthen my brothers and my sisters with power this morning? 
Would you strengthen them with power through your spirit in their inner man? In their inner man. Come right now, Holy Spirit. Just strengthen my brothers and sisters with power for this upcoming week, for this upcoming month. Strengthen them with power for today. Power in their inner man. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would dwell in their hearts through faith. God, I ask that you would dwell in our hearts through faith this morning. God, that we as a community, we as followers of Jesus would have strength to comprehend your love. And Lord, I ask this morning, just like I prayed over Alex and over Rob, Jesus, over Kate and over Claire, over Victoria, Jesus, over Jonah, I pray it over our family this morning. Would you root us? God, root us in your love. Root us. Remove rocks. God, ask right now, any soil, any areas in our minds that have been poisoned, any areas in our minds that have been poisoned, just ask the Holy Spirit, is there any area in my mind that's been poisoned? Any lie that I'm believing that's not true? Just ask the Holy Spirit. Just let him minister. He's here. He's been here. He exists in our midst. And he loves to share things with us. God, are there any rocks in our soil? Are there any lies we're believing that have poisoned our minds that aren't in alignment with your truth, Jesus? And it could be as simple as thoughts that come to mind, right? You're never going to make it. This will never end. I'm hopeless. I'm garbage. There's all kinds of lies that we believe that aren't true, especially ones that are close to the truth. I got to do this on my own. Holy Spirit, you know it. Reveal Holy Spirit, if there's any areas where you want to extract poison. We want to be rooted in your love, God. We want to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. God, we want to be filled with all the fullness. So we're going to sit back here into worship. We're going to sing to Jesus. And as we do, I just ask you, any of those areas where Holy Spirit's highlighting something, or maybe your mind has just been just believing a lie that's not true, just begin to bring that to the Lord. God, I confess, Lord, I, I confess the lie of blank and confess it, give it to Jesus and then ask him what his truth is, right? And a lot of these lies sometimes just have to do about ourselves, right? I'm no good, I'm unworthy, right? I have to hide my sin, I'm, I'm shameful. I think we read it earlier, right? Those who look to him are radiant, their faces aren't covered with shame. Jesus, come, reveal lies that we're believing. Ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So let's just let him do that while we worship here. I just want to leave you with this. I had this picture as we were praying and preparing this morning of, of this ivy. And it was kind of like, imagine just hanging over a wall. And... Um, as I kind of, I felt like the ivy was kind of being pulled back and there was this brick wall. And I was kind of frustrated because I felt like there was something on the other side, but I just couldn't get to it. And the Holy Spirit just brought me to this passage in Ephesians. I know I've been praying and, and, and uh, from Ephesians a good bit, but in verse 13 of chapter two, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you were once far off. And I just had this feeling like there's something on the other side and I feel far away from it. Have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ that brings us through. And it says, for he himself 
is our peace who made us both one and listen to this and has broken down in his flesh. Okay? So we got the blood and we've got the flesh, the body of Jesus. The dividing wall of hostility. And so this morning we're going to open up for prayer after service. But if you just feel like there's a wall blocking you from that fountain of love that we sung about earlier, or if you feel like there's a wall, just something that's keeping you from just, just a blockage, I want you to come up for prayer this morning, okay? And if we got to pray for a couple people, we got a big team. But I just want to invite you up for prayer. If you feel like there's just something that's just blocking you from getting, Jesus, it says in his flesh and in his blood, he tore down the wall of hostility. He tore it down. And so I'm going to leave you with this benediction. Jesus, not really a benediction, just a prayer. Jesus, we thank you that through your body and through your blood, your blood, you have torn down the dividing wall of hostility. And we have access to the fountain that is flowing with love. And it's being poured out on us this morning. So we, your children, we posture ourselves to receive your love, Father. And we go out in the love of the Father, Lord, that the world around us may know you because of our love for each other. Jesus, thank you. We love you. We bless you. Jesus, it's in your name we pray.